Yo, yeah, thanks for uh, coming back for another episode. Appreciate it. Hope everyone's all right. Hope everyone's doing well wherever you are in the world. You had Carlos Ramirez come on for this episode, Legend of a Gazer. He, uh, he runs the site No Echo, if people are familiar. It's pretty much a website dedicated to hardcore in the past, the present, and the future, really. He covers, like, it also covers loads of other genres as well, but their site was set up basically to promote hardcore in the modern day give bands a platform and everyone to share their opinion and promote what was happening within the scene and to keep it alive worldwide and Carlos has seen a great success with the site it's fa it's a fantastic publication that covers hardcore from all over the planet of all shapes and sizes uh yeah and there's fantastic content going up literally every day uh yeah really enjoyed talking to carlos this episode he speaks about how he got into journalism in the night like early 90s doing death metal zines diy which is sick i didn't expect him to say that and yeah how he kind of started working in the music industry and that led him to start in no echo and how he just he keeps this going like so much work goes into it in his in his time like so much work goes into it like all the time. It's like a round-the-clock operation to keep the site active and to keep it keep the content such high quality and just to keep No Echo such a great community for people who enjoy hardcore and, and everything in between, to be honest. Yeah, you should go check out No Echo if, you, if you're into hardcore music and punk and every, everything like that. It uh, showcases fantastic stuff worldwide and the... Uh, yeah, the content on there is like fantastic reads. Everything everything that goes into it is uh, worth your time. Uh, he also speaks about how No Echo is just so accommodating for writers and bands and everything and how if anybody wants to write for him, just hit him up. He will uh, be happy, be absolutely happy to accept your work and put it online and promote whatever you're trying to promote. Same goes for Faultline, really. I just kind of like to reiterate what he said about the Faultline site. If anybody does want to write, or contribute in any way, shape, or form, Lord, please don't hesitate to message. Um, yeah, anyone's welcome to contribute to the content, and it'd be great to have more people involved. I'd like to thank Carlos for coming on again. Uh, yeah, what a legend. Really cool chatting to him. I think his story is really interesting. This is a cool episode. Um, yeah, uh, go check out No Echo. Go follow on Instagram. Go support the website. Do whatever you can. Carlos is a great guy, and he's done so much for the scene for such a long time, and uh, he really lives and breathes for music and, uh, you know, I really respect his ethics and his morals. And yeah, Carlos Ramirez, what a legend. No Echo, fantastic website. Thank you so much for your support once again for the podcast. Um, yeah, give it a like, give it a comment on whatever platform you're listening on it too. It really helps promote the podcast and everything like that. And thanks so much for tuning in once again. It's so sick. People are listening to this every week. Um, really appreciate your time and your support. So take care, all the best. And yeah, enjoy this chat with Carlos Ramirez of No Echo. Thank you very much. So, yeah, I basically wanted to talk about yourself and No Echo, essentially, for this episode. Sure. So, you, when did you kind of get into music journalism and writing from, you know, as a hobby and then taking it and really pushing it for, you know, like a full-time lifestyle, really, man? Started doing zines. Yeah. Um, or a, a zine when I was in high school, and it was called Extremities, and it was focused on death metal from that era. So that was Amazing. Uh, 1990, 1991. Um, oh, so and sick, so sick, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So that was uh, a really great time for that music. And it was the time when I was discovering it and just head over heels over it. And um, yeah, I started doing it that way, just from seeing other zines from, from before that um, Again, growing up in New York City, there were places to get zines in stores, which is really mind-blowing. Yeah, that um, is, yeah, especially now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would go to uh, Greenwich Village in Manhattan. I would take the subway from where I grew up and then, uh, you know, half an hour later be in Manhattan. 
and go to these places, see zines, and uh, pick up whatever I could find. So at the time, it was in the late 80s, it was a lot of hardcore and punk and thrash metal zines. So that's where I got the idea from. And then I started doing extremities. And I just did that for a little bit of time. I met a lot of people that would end up becoming uh, some lifelong friends and bandmates years later, which is weird. But um, that's where I started doing it. And I learned you can do it yourself. And I learned how to get it out to people all over the world. At the time, it was pen pals or tape trading, that community. So it was a lot of looking uh, for addresses and and, uh, the the sections in some of these uh, zines where it was like pen pals. So you would write to people. It would be like a name and an address. And then under that, it would say uh, interests. And then you'd have the bands that you like. So if you saw people that, you know, share the same bands that you were into, you would write them and say, Hey, I'm from New York city. Um, and you know, if you want and here, I can send you some, some, some tapes of some local bands, or I can make a compilation tape, a mixtape. So it was a lot of that kind of thing. Um, yeah. which is essentially what's happening now with, with, with websites and, and, you know, just spreading the word through social media, but, uh, analog version of that back then. And um, from there, you know, years, years later, I would start uh, writing for um, when websites, you know, blogs started coming out. Uh, I, I started, you know, I would, I would see a, a blog someone put together about, let's say, uh, punk, hardcore punk. And I would write that, that blog and say, hey, if you ever need anyone to write, I, I would love to do it. And it was all just... Um, you know, reaching out to people that way. Once I started doing that, I met some people who actually had websites that were commercial endeavors, meaning they had, you know, an ad network they were connected to and they were, they were running all sorts of uh, other kinds of coverage, not just hardcore or, or metal. So then I started writing as a freelance writer per assignment. And, um, and that was fun. I got to cover all sorts of music, not just metal or hardcore or punk, um, which is great because I'm all over the place musically in terms of what I listen to. So I got to flex that muscle and that was fun. Um, but, you know, in between all of that, I always worked a full-time job. I never wrote full-time for years. I worked at record labels. I worked at marketing companies, all sorts of things. Uh, I toured in bands. So the writing was always just something I loved doing when I was doing it for freelance. I was still even doing it just on volunteer basis for sites that I liked and wanted to help and support. Um, and it was never something that was so lucrative where I was like, let me just do this full time. I, I, you know, that wasn't ever something that came up until I think it was 2011. I was working at the time for universal music group uh, in the marketing uh, side of, of the company here in LA. And um, we had massive layoffs throughout the company. Like these things happen at those corporations. And um, someone reached out to me and, you know, said, I'm sorry about your job. If you, if you're interested, I have an editor position open here. Uh, he worked for AOL uh, at the time was still had a lot of, a lot of uh, music coverage so AOL Music had a, a vertical, what they call a vertical, which is basically a website that they had 
focused on metal and hardcore and, and all that kind of stuff called Noise Creep. So I became the editor of Noise Creep and that was my full-time gig. So that was the one time where I wrote and, and ran a website, you know, as my career yeah. job. Like primary income kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was good. They paid well. I got to hire a lot of uh, writer friends from throughout the years. Again, going back, some of them, to my zine days and meeting them then, which is crazy. And um, yeah, that is yeah. like 20 years later. Fucking hell, mental. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. And here we are making money to write about... I don't know, uh, napalm death, let's say, or, or, or <laughs> yeah, whoever, sick is, of it all. You know? Yeah, it's so sick. That's really cool, man. Crazy. That's one yeah. of the best full circles I've heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And it was all just organic. I really didn't go after it. It was just something that fell into my lap. Again, through just friends, connections I've made through the years. The guy who hired me at AOL, um, he was a friend from the hardcore scene in New York. So, you know, he just happened to have this uh, cool opportunity for me and I took it. So I did that for a few years uh, and then I, I switched over to, to work in television. So um, around that time in 2014, um, someone I knew again, going back to this from the blog, early music blog world, um, a guy named Andrew, he had a, a site or still has a site called Aversion Online. And Aversion was uh, one of the first music blogs, meaning one person running it, started it, uh, covering a lot of hardcore, especially obscure 90s and, and uh, 80s hardcore. So we established a relationship through that website. I was just a fan of his and admired what he did. And one day we just started talking online. I never met him in person. And he, um, or I, I'm not even sure, we came up with the idea to start No Echo. And at the time, it was just going to be a music site where we cover all kinds of music, all, you know, because we're both music geeks. So we wanted to cover everything from death metal and hardcore to pop music that we liked that was more maybe obscure, that wasn't being covered yeah. other, other sites. Well, we did do that. And then after a while, um, we, we, um, or Andrew didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted to go back to doing his own site. So, um, it was just me and I made a decision to keep it going, but I, fo I, I decided to focus on hardcore because hardcore, especially then 2014, 2015, didn't have a one central site that covered it nonstop, yeah. meaning not just news like Lambgoat would do or does, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? I wanted to really just push new and old hardcore, but mostly new and give kind of a, a, a place where you can go on and on a regular basis, really every day and see something new that you haven't seen before. So once I started doing that with the help of contributors who have been great about, you know, and we could get into that, but once we started doing that, covering hardcore mostly, then it became really what people know today. Uh, and it's just, I think, and, and I could say this, and I know it sounds cocky, but it's, for me, it's the best site covering hardcore, meaning it's mostly hardcore. You know, the, yeah. the, the tagline for the site is hardcore metal and everything in between, but it's mostly hardcore by a long shot. So 
I take pride in that because hardcore is usually like the, the stepchild of metal or punk. It's, it's not like it's always just relegated to the sidelines. So I wanted to make that the focus and it's, it's worked. People seem to really, really dig it. Yeah. Cause it gives, it highlights a part that would have probably maybe gone, you know, unnoticed in a way. And cause obviously using the internet now compared to before it's, do you feel that level of exposure, that worldwide scale, actually just helps people and contributors join in on every angle every day because no, no echo is such a busy site as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the fact that the fact that people come, so, and I, and I do this too, there's no mystique right now in music or ever will be again. Meaning when I was growing up, there was mystique about, um, uh, let, let's say, let's go, let's use Integrity, a band that, you know, we cover a lot on the site. Yeah. Uh, and I'm a big fan of Integrity for years. Uh, and do it, you know, in basically Integrity is just a few years older than I am. So it's not like I'm thinking about Kiss or someone from the 70s or 60s. Yeah, We're talking yeah. about a, someone who's basically a contemporary of mine in age, but there was a mystique around integrity. There were a lot of things about what is this? What is that? These days with social media, there isn't really that much mystique because uh, for, for better or for worse, usually for worse, uh, people in these bands overshare on social media. They, sh- they share their really insipid uh, ide- ideas on the world. And uh, this weekend, being a great example of that or a sad example of that uh, with the whole COVID thing and the show that happened in New York, but um, I, I'm digressing, but yeah, social media and, and the internet has killed a lot of the mystique around, you know, this music. We know too much about it. At the same time, it's been a great, great thing because you can literally put up a demo, a track, anything you want, a video, online yeah. make it public and within an hour you can have hundreds maybe even thousands of views if you, if you, you know depending who, who, who posted it that is insane i still I, i'll never get over that because i still go back to the tape trading where yeah. i would see an, an ad for a demo or seven inch or something and i would see the picture and, and you know the description maybe in the, in the in the advertisement and i would think in my head what does that band sound like and let's say i ordered it it would take sometimes over a month to get to or even more wow yeah wow to get to you know what i mean so that was it, in a way that's 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 great and you can you know you can romanticize that in a way because you appreciate it more and it's 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 way harder to take for granted but the immediacy of the internet is overall much better for music um it, it and and with no echo you could i could post about a, a band that just formed yesterday if they give me the music or yeah i mean they could have just formed yesterday wrote, wrote a song yesterday tracked it mixed it and sent it to me today and i can have it up today and have that audience that we have built in already you know the site does and expose that band to that audience immediately it's crazy uh some will say that's not really a great thing because uh, it, it makes it too easy and then too much, there's no quality control, but that's for people to decide. That's for the public to decide. Um, if something is really crappy, the public will answer or respond to that with apathy. 
Yeah, for uh, sure. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So having No Echo as a platform, No, no Echo is just basically, it's like a, if you're driving around a town, a small town in America or anywhere in the world, and there is that movie theater or, or a theater where they have plays or musicals and they have that marquee outside. Uh, and it'll say, let's say, um, Mortal Kombat at 8 p.m., then under that, it will say some Disney movie at, you know, 7 p.m. And the three movies featured at that theater in that small town. Yeah. As you drive by that small town, you can't miss that, right? That advertising. I like to think of No Echo that way. You can go on the homepage and you can have, you know, X amount of whatever spots there are. And you could see in bold letters, the names of the bands, maybe a little description of the headline and a photo. And it gives you... It, it, you know, it gives you a chance to go, oh, that looks interesting. Let me click on that. Yeah. So it's just centralized. It's very hard to find. Uh, it's easy to find music, whatever kind of music you want, but it's hard to find places that are centralized that will give you the kinds of, um, you know, it, a centralized location where you could, count on where you can go, okay, I'm, let me click on this link. And when I open that link, there's going to be, I don't know, 10, 15 bands or releases. And I could, I can kind of sift through that and filter and let me see what's going on. Yeah. That's yeah, what, for sure, man. I mean, that's what no echo is about. It's just giving that platform and then let the people decide uh, by clicking on it or not clicking on it. Yeah. That's sick. It kind of acts like, I don't know, it's like a depot center in a way. It's like people can, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's that's a, that's a very unique idea as well, especially for hardcore as well. Because, like you say, you know, maybe waiting for like a month for like a random seven inch that you might not even like. That that, that right, is, right. the whole aspect of that old you know process is obviously like fucking sick and amazing. But you know, it, I guess like you said, the quality control. There comes a time where it's like, yeah, you've got to give everyone an equal chance, and it's like speed is a big thing nowadays. I feel with the internet, yeah. well, yeah, people yeah. want people want everything yesterday. Uh, no, it's it's a shame. It, it, is, <laughs> it is a shame. Um, but yeah, like you say, uh, it, you know, you can only hope that people's attention span doesn't decrease because of all this accessibility. I know it, it's tough, man. Because I could even say, as a person who everything you see on the site, whether I wrote it or not, I'm the person who, I'm the sole person who inputs it, you know, into the back end, into the CMS. I use like WordPress like every day. Right, right, yeah. right. So I'm the only person that puts all that stuff in. So even with that said, there are times where I will, there, there have been moments where, I don't know how, think of an example exactly right now to give you, but there have been moments where I stumble across a band that, I, that I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then I check it out and then I Google it. And then the first thing that comes up is a No Echo article. And I forgot that I even covered the band. So there, that's just a testament to how much music is out there at all times. Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah, it's busy, no. busy environment, man. It's for, be for better and worse, like you said, there's, yeah. there's yeah. many pros and cons. Like, obviously, stuff can get so cluttered and people only have so much stuff they can absorb. Uh, climb on their hands, essentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. But... You know, when I've had this discussion with people, especially people my age, mm -hmm. uh, they'll, you know, I'll say, yeah, I, I hear you. There is a lot of bad music. And because it's hardcore and it's the whole one of the fundamental aspects of hardcore that that uh, is cool is that anyone can do it. You don't have to be a brilliant musician. 
but at the same time, that's one of the worst things about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. Uh, yeah, so true. You know, but but I, I'd rather have some crappy. Like I'd rather have a volume, and in that volume, have some great stuff than have it be, you know, less volume. But then you know, we get less. You know what I mean? Less of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather just let it, let us make the decision if it's good or not. Yeah, exactly. It's better to have like an open door policy than let the the reader and then the listener like have their own filtering process. Exactly, and I just and and, and I always say this, but I don't I don't just cover bands or bands that I like. You know, I, I cover all sorts of things. I, it's not it's not for me to the No Echo isn't my personal blog where I just talk about bands that I love. It's not. Yeah, it's not like high on Carlos's wife. Do you know what I mean? No, no, it's 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 definitely not that. Now there are <laughs> bands that I cover, new and old. Usually if it's an older thing and I'm doing a deeper interview, I usually really like that band for me to spend that much time these, these days. Yeah. It's hard to find time. But if it's like, um, you know, uh, you know, like let's say the newer bands, there are, there are some that I, I really, really dig. Some I think are cool. They're, you know, they're maybe not a hundred percent my, you know, my cup of tea, but I, I find things that I like about them. And then there are some bands that really don't do much for me, honestly. But that's, you know, they're not, they're still going to be covered on the site. Uh, if, if, you know, if I have the time to, to put it together or a contributor does, I don't, I don't just, you know, because I'm not into it, I'm not going to cover it. I yeah. think that yeah, for sure, sometimes yeah. people think, oh, it's a no echo, even if it has my name in the byline, or sometimes it says no echo or says my name, that, oh, he must love that band. And it's just not the case. You could tell when I really like it by what I write in it. But that's not really that important. I don't really, you know, the, what I love or don't love, it, it doesn't, I don't care if people know or don't know. It's not the point. Um, so, yeah, and then when contributors uh, send me an email saying, hey, Carlos, I want, I, want, I want this record's coming out by so-and-so, I want to cover it, I never go listen to it and then say yes. I just say yes every time. The only reason I ask people to, to send me the email first is so I know it's coming and I don't have someone write two different, you know, writers writing about the same record. Yeah. When, you know what I mean? To waste people's time when they could be covering something else. There have been times where it slipped through the cracks and I've had record reviews, for example, of the same record. So, you know, that, that, that's more asking the contributors to, to send me the, the pitch emails more just me knowing what's coming up. It's not, you know, uh, me, saying yeah i'm not really into that band being on the site never it's never happened yeah like when when i wrote for no echo in the past i always thought it was really nice how you were so open-minded and really relaxed yeah yeah it's uh it just goes to the idea that if if you're writing to me because you want to write for the site you are you know you're you're a fellow geek about this kind of thing you know and oh exactly you, man. absolutely yeah yeah and um because i don't run ads or anything or i'm not part of some ad network the site doesn't generate money i started a patreon uh yeah i noticed that yeah yeah i started a patreon at the end of last year which has been nice because i have supporters on there but you know for the time for the amount of time that i put into the site believe me it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't the money I'm getting from Patreon now doesn't 
make up anywhere close to the amount of time I put into it. I, I'm using that money actually to pay for the website hosting and all of that because yeah, the site is, you know, in the last couple of years, it just keeps on growing in terms of traffic. So, you know, that costs money because you have to pay for that, you know? Oh and, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I run a site as well, do this podcast like this makes absolutely no money, but it's uh, just do it for the love. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I love it. I love helping bands out and labels out. When I say labels, most of the time we know the labels are just one person. <laughs> They're not, you know, <laughs> yeah, not like yeah. the labels. I work, you know, I work for labels where it was like the president had two assistants, like nonsense like that. No, these are labels. These are just people in their houses, apartments, basement, garage, putting a lot of work into it and a lot of their money and losing money. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a way to, to help push the scene. And, um, you know, people, I think, want to be involved. They want to write about it. They want to, you know, but they don't have the time or, or energy to start their own site. I know it's, it's really tough to get an audience, you know, and it's, when you don't have an audience, you, you know, you, you get discouraged. So if, if that means someone's like, you know what, I want to write about bands and hardcore or metal, but I don't have my own outlet to do it. And if Noeco will run it, then, then I get to do that and I get to help in my own way. And, and maybe, you know, uh, people start reaching out to me and, and sending me things to get coverage. So, which happens. So there's people who are contributors to the site who will, be approached by bands or labels. Sometimes they can get to me because either I don't respond because of time or, or whatever. And they, they go directly to the contributors, which is totally fine. I don't, you know, I don't mind either way. So, so yeah, I think that the little base of, you know, the small base of contributors that I have that contribute on a regular basis is, is great because it also helps me just keep the content going up because there are days where, I, you know, I try to have, or I always do actually, there's always at least one new piece of content, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, usually more than that, but at least one, but there are days where it's like the day before and I see, wow, I don't have anything for tomorrow. And, and I'm like, uh, you know, that's just my own, my own OCD. I don't like that. I want to deliver. So I'll, I'll just spend some time writing some kind of post or something. I'll look into my email inbox and see what I can do. Or there have been times where especially Adam, uh, Adam Yo, who's a, a regular contributor will send me something that night. I'm like, Oh, this is perfect, man. I needed something for tomorrow. And I, I whip it together, you know, in, in a little bit of time. And so, yeah, it's having the contributors is huge, huge help. Always yeah. welcome more. Always, always want more. There are people who write me and say they want to contribute and they never do. I've had people write me three or four times asking the same question. And I say, yes, yes, man, don't just send it to me. Just all you have to do is send me the, the, the text and I'll put it together. Don't worry. And yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm always looking for contributors. If anyone wants to write, uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, New York Times level uh, <laughs> journalism as my writing proves it, it just needs to be concise and, and just passionate and it could be short. It could be long. If you want to write reviews, it could be uh, you know, a band that you really dig and, and you've been talking to that want to 
maybe premiere a track or a, something, a demo on the site, always looking for that. So uh, anything that's from the contributors, I try to get live on the site within a week or two uh, yeah. at the most. Yeah. I love it, man. That's It's such a punk rock DIY ethic, man. It's, it's fucking amazing. It's um, awesome because I've also made friends that way, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I said earlier, I made friends from the zine days and some of them are still my friends. That is the, the aspect that is most rewarding is the friendships. And yeah, I'll never get tired of that. You know, these, these are people that once the pandemic, uh, once we can all, you know, travel and, and be, be safe. And I would love to, you know, go see some of these newer friends because it's, it's been really nice, especially since the lockdown. Yeah, that that's so cool, man. The 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 connection with it. You mentioned um, you mentioned kind of like the open door policy. I, I see a lot of stuff online now and kind of here in the UK as well. It's like death to false hardcore and like kind of almost like a gatekeeping mentality. Did you experience that with death metal in the nineties? And what what what's your opinion on people who have that view on the hardcore genre in today's age? Gatekeeping of any sort is ridiculous. It should be inclusive. If someone is 15 years old and just discovered hardcore through, through, let, let, I'm going to use this example because this is a very uh, common thing that happens. And this is, I'm using this uh, band as an example. I could very easily use one from my teen years, but I know there are a lot of people who are, let's say, I don't know what the age would be now, but they got into hardcore through, Bands like Bring Me the Horizon. I'll use an English example. Yeah. Bring Me the Horizon, one of the most polarizing bands in the heavy music kind of spectrum. They're people, they're, they're huge. They, even here in the States, they play big rooms. But there are people who, who can't stand them, right? Um, there are people I know that are into hardcore now, into, uh, you know, hardcore, hardcore. But they got into hardcore through those kinds of bands like Bring Me the Horizon, the, the bands that would be on the cover of Kerrang! <laughs> back in that time period, yeah. right? Uh, the bands that people here call scene bands or whatever, hot yeah. topic bands and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's, right? a, that's a real like American category. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, Right. So, so people will look down on them and say, oh, you know, what do they know about hardcore? They liked bringing the horizon or, or, or whatever, an uncool band in quotes. I, I've, I'm always like, I, I'm always just on the sidelines when I see that kind of talk on, on social media. And it's just embarrassing because I, you know, outside of, of maybe four or five people I've known in my life, you don't come out as a music fan fully formed right away. You, you find things and, and you, you get into things that are more commercial because they're easier to find. And then you, you go backwards and then you start going more underground. Now, if I'm not saying that because you got into now, you're into, let's say, sick of it all or integrity or violent reaction that you can't like Bring Me the Horizon. I'm not one of those people. I'm not elitist about music. I'm not a Bring Me the Horizon fan, but I never look down on people because they like that. And I don't see why you can't like the, again, in quote, cool hardcore, and then also like other kinds of music that are deemed corny by people. Yeah. I've never been that way. I'm a guy who I love what people call, at least in this country, they call hair metal. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, Motley, yeah. Motley Crue. Motley yeah. Crue and, and, and Winger and Poison and Dokken and Rat. 
I love that music. It's probably like what I listen to the most, that and rap. But, uh, you know, so I dealt with that as a kid. Oh, you like that shit? That's fucking poser music. And, and then, yeah. why do you, you know, and, but at the same time, I like Crumb Suckers and I like Leeway. And they'd say, well, why do you like that other shit? And I've never been elitist about it. I just like what I like. If you find hardcore through bands that are considered uncool by people, who cares? You, you're here. Now you're here and we're all here. What's the difference? I don't care how you got in. You know, it's just the entry yeah. level to me, the, the entry, the doorway to it is not important to me. Is it interesting in a conversation? Sure. You know, I'm always interested to find out how someone got into hardcore, how they discovered it. Did they get it, get into it through a mentor, someone older, a cousin or a friend, a neighbor, a brother, a sister. I'm interested in those stories, but I'm not yeah. interested in making fun of someone because they got into this kind of music through something like uh, a hot topic kind of band. I, it's just, this is the kind of shit that is such a waste of time and embarrassing it's you know or it's it's you're not cool to be part of this club gatekeeping and the whole point yeah. of of hardcore and punk is that it's at least it started uh fundamentally as this scene is is for people like that it's for the people who are the misfits and yeah and are not so easily cate- categorized you know we're not just the the cool kids at the cool table at school it's maybe the kids who are a little bit left of center so gatekeeping in itself in hardcore is absolutely ridiculous. And people want to have cool points and, and cred points. And oh, I saw them before and I saw them. You know, it's, it's just, I see it. I see people my age. I'm 46. So I see people my age and even older than I am saying things like that. Or that is not hardcore. That's metallic hardcore. It's not metallic hardcore isn't hardcore. And uh, AFI is, is, is bullshit, fake goth hardcore. And, all these arguments, <laughs> yeah. they're going to continue and continue and continue. And the elitists are a bore to me. It's complete yawn for me. It's like, I, who, I don't give a shit. If, yeah. I don't give a shit if you, I don't give a shit if you have every variant of the youth of today, uh, you know, the debut uh, record, seven inch or, you know, or, or, or album. I don't care. That doesn't mean that you're any more a fan than I am. You know what I mean? I think yeah. it's interesting. Again, it's cool. We can talk about that kind of stuff. And I definitely do that on a site. We have a record collector series. But it doesn't mean that I think they're any more important than someone who just got into hardcore who might not know all these bands. Why not be more open and inclusive and excited about people getting into this? I don't feel, I don't, not one of those people that because everyone, because people are getting into it now, that I can't like that band. It doesn't, I just never thought it that way. I guess yeah. the commercial aspect of things and, and more people getting into something has never really bugged me. It bugs me when, when um, it does bug me when bands cater in a very unorganic way to that. I do, I do tend to, uh, that, that I'm not into, I will say that. But when it comes to just the fan discovering a band and that band getting more popular because people are discovering them. I, I don't see a, a bad thing in that. Why would that be bad? But yeah, exactly. You know. It's like, how, <laughs> how's this going to get bigger if you just completely pull the shutters on it? Like, you know, cause someone's not good enough to get in like their CV is not strong enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, um, I've seen people 
on uh, like let's, I think it was on Twitter recently. I wish I, I should have saved it um, as a screenshot, just because it just it was so perplexing. But it was someone saying something about a band. I forget what band. I think it was Warzone or some old New York hardcore band yeah. saying something, and then everyone jumping on them, you know, correcting them. But in a way that was just like a fight to get there first to to correct this person. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's just this, this, this point, like scene points thing. And it's just boring. It's boring. Bullshit, man. I remember when like, you you know, knock, you know, knock loose. Like, yeah. uh, Yeah. I remember when they kind of like first came out and then like Mm -hmm. people were saying it here, man, they were like, Oh fuck this band is like fake hardcore. (laughs) Right. And I was just like, why do you fucking wish you were this good, man? Like shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, you You know, know, it's this simple. If you don't like, and I know what you mean by knock loose because they got, they're huge here for that world. They're, they're huge. Yeah. So if you don't like something, move on. Yeah. Move, move, move along. Like, why is that so hard? Why is it like, let's destroy this band. If the band are doing things that are, are uh, if they're saying things publicly that are, or they have lyrics that are, are you know, uh, you know, racist or sex or whatever it is, that's different. But if a band is just doing their thing and they're like knock loose, why, why not just, if you don't like it, just don't, don't listen to it and ignore it. I, it's this thing where it's just, and it's, this is not uh, new. This is not exclusive to people that are in their twenties that are, you know, the loudest people probably on social media in, in hardcore, at least from my perspective. Yeah. It is, uh, this definitely. is, yeah, this is not exclusive to that group. It's people my age. People my age are sometimes worse because they had that whole like, oh, I, I like that band better when they were called, uh, you know, oh, that that band. They just want to be Earth Crisis, let's say, not Knock Loose, but an example. Like, oh, yeah, why would I listen to that band if Earth Crisis did it better? And it's like, I mean. Mate, yeah, for sure, man. No. Yeah, I've heard people say that before. Like, I, I interviewed someone, somebody once, what so it is, but they were like, oh, yeah, I don't listen to any fucking mother metalcore or hardcore because I heard it all on an Unearth album 20 years ago. Right. It's, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I was just like, why, why think like that? I don't understand. I, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't agree with that, you know. Uh, but if that's, their, if that's how they feel, that's yeah. okay. But to go online and just start like, like slagging these, it's just, why do that? Is that really what you want to do with your time in this, in this day and age? You want to just, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's a waste of time. You know, if I don't like some, so if I don't like something, I just don't play it on my Spotify or, you know what I mean? I I, I just, I, I ignore it. That's all. I don't like Cardi B. I know. I don't like Migos you know, rap artists, I, I'm not into that kind of rap music. So I don't listen to that kind of rap music. I listen to the rap music that I like. That's it. Why, why yeah. is it so hard? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't go online and waste my time going off about these artists. I don't like, uh, but Rob, it's going to happen till the end of time. People just have that, especially with social media. They want it. They want to just be heard for, for, you know, bad or good. So. Yeah, exactly, man. Literally, <laughs> mate. Literally, mate. Um, so let's let's turn the clock back a bit. When yeah. did you get into the heavier side? You mentioned like listening to to like hair metal, um, right? Was, was, right. Was, was was that kind of your first introduction to like the, oh, I don't know? Yeah, you've used that term back then, but Music. like the alternative side of things. And when did you get to death metal as as well? Because that's really fucking sick. You started doing things through that genre yeah. specifically. Well, it was uh, for in terms of rock music, the the pathway for me was Kiss, 
who I adore, you know, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, (laughs) Kiss. And then it was like Cheap Trick and Motley Crue and Rat and Dokken, all of those, again, people call it hair metal. Uh, When I was a kid, we used to call that hard rock, at least the people I knew. Yeah, we call that, that, that's like, we'd say like glam rock here. Yeah. Glam rock. People called it that too at the time or band metal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, uh, yeah, it was Kiss, and then those kinds of bands, just like melodic hard rock bands, um, and then um, then I started getting into uh, the, the first really uh, a kind of heavier band was Iron Maiden. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, through Iron Maiden, then it became Black or got into Black Sabbath and Dio and all of the classics. Yeah, very young age. I was very young into this stuff. So we're talking early '80s when I was in my single digits. Um, really, that that is young. That is young, especially to be listening to something like Sabbath. It's quite, it's quite, yeah. intense, quite an intense sound for someone that age. Yeah. Well, I had older. Uh, I had an older cousin Eddie, who was a drummer, uh, who was heavily into into a hard rock and, and metal. He wasn't so into. He wasn't into like Slayer and things like that, but the, the heaviest he got would be like a Black Sabbath or a Dio. But he was a big, big influence on me. Uh, and then my friend's older brother, Johnny Dennehy, was this guy who was, I think, 10 years older than, than I was, which is, again, huge. If I'm, you know, in my single digits and he was already getting out of high school, that was a big difference. But he was, he worked at a record store. So I'd go to hang out with his brother and there would be all these records around. So I'd look at, you know, those covers are unbelievable, you know? Yeah. Especially uh, seeing it on like a 12 inch format. Back yeah, then. yeah. It was like forbidden almost. It was like, Ooh, this is like, should I be seeing this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Appeal, yeah. appeal to me right away. Uh, but yeah, through, <laughs> cool. through that, I got into more obscure melodic hard rock bands. And then, um, and then, yeah, once I got into the Iron Maiden deal Sabbath, then it was Slayer. And then it was, uh, ooh, yeah. this is fast. Ooh, I like the speed of this. And meeting other friends, again, a few, few years older than I was in New York, who were, oh, man, you like Slayer? Check out DRI, you know. So yeah, those were the first uh, faster kind of thrashy bands I got into, DRI, Corrosion of Conformity. And then it was... Dude, you live in New York. You know, do you know about Agnostic Front? I've yeah. seen the name, I've seen the logo, but I don't know. They, they seem like they would be like. I looked at Agnostic Front imagery at that age, uh, you know, in my early teens, and I would think like, is it like uh, like Sex Pistols? Which I at that time probably never even heard. I knew the name. It just seemed like I would like that kind of music. Like punk to me was like Mohawks and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, it's not. It, like, it's one of those like <laughs> British punk and American punk are very different at the same time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it was, again, before YouTube and, and I couldn't just fire up a dead, not dead Kennedy's, but like an exploited song, let's say. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'd, I'd have to find someone who had a, a tape, uh, you know, a dub cassette or I'd have to find a record. Oh, so amazing, yeah. so it, it was harder back then to just, you know, just sample things. But yeah, once I got into Agnostic Front and, and uh, the Cro-Mags first record yeah. uh, when I was in junior high school, then it was all over. Uh, through that, it became a thing with the metal side of things where it was like I wanted things that were fast and darker and if the vocals are, are gruffer and, and, in quotes, evil, I'm, I'm really into it. So Destruction, yeah. all these German thrash creator, all these German fast thrash bands were great. 
but then I started seeing them wearing t-shirts from bands like Nihilist, which eventually became entombed. And I'd see, uh, uh, you know, stickers or posters in, in, in clubs of these logos I couldn't recognize. Yeah. And that led the way to death and, and, uh, massacre and, yeah. and all of these early death metal bands. So that's when it, when it was like, wow, death metal at that point actually for me took over anything that I was into musically. That era of death metal uh, is like, phenomenal, man. Like, phenomenal. Yeah, so good. So good. And different styles. You had bands like Death. At that time, it would have been uh, Leprosy, the yeah. second album. So it was, you know, Leprosy. And, and then you had uh, the Entombed, the Swedish bands who had a, a muddier, uh, yes. the, what they call the buzzsaw, the H2 sound. And then, you know, Carnage and all of that. And then, and then the Florida bands. And it was just such a great time for death metal. I was obsessed. I, I was on the hunt to find the most obscure demos and seven inches at the time. And if there was ever a moment in my life where I became a little bit elitist in a sense, not where I was outwardly elitist and, and excluding people or talking shit about people. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. But in my mind, if it was unknown by the average... So there were kids in school at this point, in high school, that were into death metal. But they were into obituary, they were into suffocation and, and those kind of bands. Bands were yeah, like yeah. or, or earache, yeah. right? For me, it was like, that's great but I want to find bands on the most obscure Spanish label or Greek label. I was just, that was me at that point. Okay. A little bit annoying that way. Um, <laughs> <It's nice>. So, <laughs> you know, but you know, what's funny about that is looking now, listening to that stuff today, really the cream rises at the top suffocation, death, morbid angel, the bands that were what I looked at at that point, mainstream death metal are really the best bands. And the reason they were so popular is because they really were the best for the most part, right? There were some obscure bands that only put out a demo that I, to this day, I love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the bigger bands are the ones that time proved, at least for my taste, that are the ones I go back to more often. Because I don't listen to death metal anywhere near what I listened to at that point. And that point, it was, I want to say, three, maybe four years of just intense obsession, uh, and then once yeah. I hit a wall with that, then it was I, death metal went way to the back burner for me to this day. You know, there are bands like Gay Creeper and other there some other examples of death metal bands, current ones that I, I, I really love. But it's not something, a sound that I follow uh, really closely at all. Um, yeah, it's like I... I kind of got into like 90s death metal when I got into like 90s hip hop at the same time. It was quite a contrast yeah. time for me, like jumping back. I, I don't really actively listen to too much modern death metal because I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it to be honest with you. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's weird though because I, I see a lot of stuff online. You talk, talk about a lot of Swedish stuff. Like people mm-hmm. talk when, when like there's new metalcore, people are like, oh, it just sounds like fucking Slaughter of the Soul, you know, stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Slaughter of the Soul, when it came out, it was, it was one of those albums where the minute, like the first time I heard it, I knew it was special. Uh, so did a lot of other people I knew at that time. Uh, I was playing in bands at that point, so I was around a lot of other musicians and people that were into underground music. And I remember Slaughter of the Soul was a special moment. It was, wow, this, this is this blows away their older material. I don't care what anyone tells me. It's just, 
This is, they've really stepped it up. It was already being called by my friends, rain and blood for this era or for that era. Right. Mm. Um, But that said, it wasn't like it set the world on fire until years later when bands like kill social engage and shadows fall started taking that influence. Right. Um, But yeah, yeah. Yeah, but man, it's Florida the Soul. When that when I first heard that, I think it was even an advanced cassette from Eric. because um, I always used to get promos, uh, still do, but even back then I would get physical promos from the labels. Oh, it's so cool. And uh, it was yeah, I had an advance about it and it was it was you know, it was instantly like, wow, this is really, really, really special. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you spent like Quite quite an intense amount of time listening to a very intense thing. Basically, it's um yeah. yeah. When when did that come? So how how was that going forward after that? Where did kind of music take you then? Were you were you involved with kind of metalcore evolution? How what like hardcore became bands like Converge coming out and stuff like that? What was how did you kind of stay involved and what was your take on the whole thing? Or did you kind of you know you mentioned like work was going in different yeah. directions as well around that point in your life? Well, I, yeah, I stopped playing in in um, like heavy bands in 98 uh, in terms of like touring and, and doing active like band work yeah. so after that um i played in a melodic rock band like a what's like a foo fighters type of band yeah, cool. um and uh i did projects here and there uh, other things but when you mentioned converge and what's the jane doe era when that was really a big moment for that kind of music yeah i was i was uh still following it all and still keeping up with people I knew from that world and still doing things here and there writing. And, um, but yeah, it was more of focused on work and, and kind of just that than being involved hands-on for the most part. But yeah, I thought it was really cool. You know, I played with Converge early on when, you know, when in, in other bands I played in. So to see them evolve into what they became was really, really cool. And I was happy for them. They got really, really uh, popular, and um, it was groundbreaking. Influential, not just musically, but visually, um, what Jake was doing and has done, keeps on doing. So it was really um, exciting to see people my age in their band still doing it, but now getting in front of a bigger audience, you know, through Epitaph or through Equal Vision, having actual publicists working, you know, for them and, and getting into some more, uh, you know, bigger outlets, which means in this case, like metal magazines, right? Metal magazines would rarely cover hardcore for a long time. So it was cool to see that. So I wasn't involved in the sense where I was doing a zine or a website or anything like that, but I was still a fan going to shows, uh, maybe not as many at, at that point, but, um, yeah, and still keeping those friendships, you know, uh, through through uh, going to the shows and saying hello and, and emailing. And that's when, you know, everyone had to email at that point already. So just staying in touch that way. But I always felt that I wanted to get more involved eventually. So, um, you know, I always kept that in the back of my mind. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Because like, publications themselves have evolved so much since then and now. Yeah. You know, without WordPress, anybody can kind of have a go. But like, from, yeah. you know, a lot, a lot of it online with a lot of kind of stuff that's happening, man. There's so much paid promotion and stuff these days. It's like, how what what do you feel about like writers' integrity as well? How has that evolved, and how do you think that stands in the modern age? You know, I, I can't think of any. 
I read so much. I read so many magazines. I still read, like I still subscribe to print magazines. So I, I do read a lot uh, about, you know, music. I, I mostly British magazines, actually. I, I get Mojo in the mail. I get Classic Rock in the mail. I get Uncut in the mail. I used to get Q until they stopped doing the print. Um, so I still read a lot of, you know. Yeah. But um, uh, in terms of the integrity of it, Honestly, I don't, it's tough because the relationship between publicist and writer is, is, um, there is a lot of pressure, you know, there for, uh, for their client to be, you know, spun in a very positive way. And I get that. That's their job. I used to do that job. So I know I, I, I respect that. Um, but when it comes to a review, a review should be a review and your honest thoughts, no matter who sent it to you. Right. Um, I don't, I rarely write reviews. Um, and we don't run. It's interesting. I just said that because no echo, like I said, people just send me things and I don't, whatever they want to write about is fine. Whatever they want to review is fine. Whatever they want to say about the record is fine. As long as it's not just them bashing something just to bash it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if they want, if they want to say they don't like a record, that's up to them that said we don't run negative reviews i think what happens is that people that you know contribute um they want they're excited about a record and they want to just tell the world about it so their review is positive <laughs> we don't have you know reviews where they where they're you know critical usually you know what i mean so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's like um it's i know speaking for for no echo it's not anything that I'm saying or I'm, I'm telling them, you can't say that because the publicist will get mad or the band's manager will get mad. People could write whatever they want. Um, we just don't run negative reviews because of it's just, we're just like the people that write for the site usually just fans and they want to, yeah, yeah, you exactly. know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, them but like yeah. Excitement like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm reading uh, like those magazines I mentioned, you know, Mojo and those kinds of things, uh, it could be any magazine, really, any music magazine. If I'm reading reviews, uh, I expect to see negative reviews or, or very critical reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's fine. And, and does that influence me? Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but, but uh, yeah, it's, that's something that's been um, the, the, the publicity, the PR journalist uh, connection has been one that's been, been uh, something that I've dealt with in my life. I know um, with, with No Echo, I rarely work with publicists on a regular basis. There are a few that I do, again, because I've known them for a long time and, mm. and they know the site and they're very, uh, you know, they're very respectful of, of what they pitch me. Yeah. Meaning they don't just go, here's this jazz funk band that I think would be great. These are just publicists who are just throwing shit at a wall and trying to get coverage. I mean, people that will, will write me and say, hey, Carlos, this band I think would be great for no echo. This is, here it is. And, um, so those, there are some that I work with, but usually I, I don't go for the, the pitch, the generic pitch that they send 800 different websites. I, I ignore those, you know, uh, uh, it just, I'd rather work with the band directly or the label person directly or, um, the publicist that I, that I have relationships with, 
that, you know, know and, and are fans of the site, not just because they want to have coverage to get their client happy. Yeah, really wise words, mate. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's absolutely reflects in everything you do as well, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, uh, there is only a certain amount of time I have to do no echo stuff, meaning going to the inbox, answering, setting things up, writing the thing, putting the photo to, you know, finding photos often. Uh, that's, you know, time that I'd rather not waste, like looking for photos and looking for things. But I do, I have to, just how it works out. But uh, time is precious for that, for the, the website. So um, I'd rather spend it with people that are, uh, who understand what the site is about, not just it's a number on a list. I say that because every single day there is at least four or five pitches from Pete, from publicists who I know had never looked at the website because of the stuff they're pitching me. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. Carlos, mate, thank you so much for talking to me, man. I really, really appreciate your time. I really enjoyed that. Thank you, dude. Talk soon.